I'm going to just invite us to give God thanks and praise for um, Kiana and the beautiful ways in which she like grounds us and also too for our worship team and the ways in which they usher us into this time of worship that we can give God thanks and praise for them. There has been something really beautiful during this Lenten season as um, Crystal was sharing. It feels like we have been journeying through um, a wilderness, but a wilderness not to harm us, but a wilderness that is refining us to, like, to heal us um, and recognizing that um, in this wilderness, we have not been alone. We have had companions. Um, I'm not going to ask you to do anything overly creepy, but if you would just turn to the left and to the right to the people around you, uh-huh, you don't have to gaze at them long. Just, just a little... You know, you never know um, on a Sunday morning how someone's going to show up. Um, There are just some Sundays when um, even I don't feel it. And there's some Sundays when you might not feel it. And uh, to say some of these words, oh, how you walk with me or how you talk with me, and you're like, God, really? Like, I haven't, I feel like I haven't heard anything from you. But there's someone who's around you who you can leverage their faith in the moment. They've been your companion in the wilderness. And I just want to say we have done um, some beautiful work together in this season. So we are more than halfway through um, the season of Lent. We are in the fourth Sunday of this Lenten season. There's six Sundays in this season. And um, as we have been journeying, we have um, leaned into the song book, the lament book, the honest book of the Bible as we have been reading the Psalms. And the words of the Psalms have literally been like our manna in the wilderness. We um, heard on the first Sunday of Lent in Psalm 32 that we can be honest with God. Um, That when we try to hide things, when we're far off from ourselves, that confession is the way in which we can come home to ourselves. We heard in Psalm 121 um, that it's not the hills that give us strength, but it's God who gives us strength. That we are people who are kept, literally that God guards us because we are God's beloved. And then last Sunday, uh, Reverend Sayun preached, preached about a God who tabernacles with us. Who when we are in our wilderness moments, when we cannot even cry out, when we wonder, have we been left behind this God who sets up a tent with us? And this morning we're going to hear the good news in Psalm 23, which is a familiar psalm. And all I'm going to ask, because this is a passage of scripture that is so familiar to many of us, maybe not to all of us, but to many of us, is that you would invite God to help you to hear this psalm with new ears. Hear now these words. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. God makes me lie down in green pastures. God leads me beside still waters. God restores my soul. God leads me in right paths for God's name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You, O God, prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. In fact, The Hebrew writer would say, surely goodness and mercy shall pant after you or shall chase after you 
all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, Psalm 23 is um, the first psalm that I ever memorized, and yet I cannot tell you how or when I memorized it. There was never a Bible drill where someone said, let's go through Psalm 23, but it became my language over time. I wonder sometimes if I have such a closeness with this passage of Scripture because there were lots of elder women in my community who did not know how to read, and they would say this, I may not be able to read about the Good Shepherd, but I know the Good Shepherd. Maybe that's why I have an intimacy with this particular passage of Scripture. Or, um, as many of you might have this experience, Psalm 23 is oftentimes read or recited at funerals. So all of the funerals that I've ever been to or funerals that I've officiated, Psalm 23 comes as maybe a word to remind those that when their loved ones have died, however you might conceptualize life and life more abundantly, that our loved ones now see the Good Shepherd face to face. Or for those of us who find ourselves in our grieving, that there is something about this imagery of God as shepherd that might bring solace and comfort to us in the midst of our grieving. I cannot tell you exactly when I learned these words, but I know that these words are within me and that I have a particular intimacy with these words. You should know this, this psalm that's ascribed to David would have also had um, a sense of connection and also intimacy for the earliest singers or readers of this word. Because this image of shepherd was oftentimes used to describe the monarchy. Those who were in leadership, who were, who were called to take care of their people, to provide for their people, or to protect their people. So this idea that God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, is like a shepherd would have made a lot of sense in regards to, okay, this God who creates all things is also a God who takes care of me. But in this particular context, it's not a human king or queen, but instead it's the one who has breathed into us the breath of life. And there's such particularity with the way in which God is known as shepherd in this passage. First of all, one, it's qualified my shepherd. This, this sense of like, I, I am known by the shepherd and the shepherd is known by me. And that this good shepherd provides for us in such a way that we have no wants or needs. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I like to use the King James Version. <laughs> it says that the shepherd leads us beside still waters. And here's the beautiful thing. Beside these still waters of nourishment, we can even find ourselves in a vulnerable place because we can lie down. Now, you know of sheep or, or, or any animal, whenever you are in a supine position, you are in a more vulnerable position. But it says that when I am uh, led to pleasant places by a place of nourishment, I can be just as vulnerable as I want to mean, be, meaning that there's no threat uh, to my life. And if there is threat to my life, this shepherd's going to take care of me. And these still waters would bring forth a level of quenching thirst but also, too, the shepherd doesn't only care about the physical needs, but says that the shepherd also restores our souls. Like our inner interior life also matters to the shepherd if we feel grounded in that peace. 
and then says that we are guided or led and pass for God's namesakes. Basically, like God's like, you know what? If you're going to put this on my name, I'm going to make sure you go to places that are for your good. On God is what God is <laughs> trying to say. I lead you on God. I want to skip to verse 5, where the psalmist says that um, God even prepares a meal in the presence of the psalmist's enemies. And you know we like to sometimes read this passage like, yeah, even in front of my haters I get to eat, you know? (laughs) But I was reading a commentary that actually um, offers a more expansive thought saying, even in the presence of my enemies, my enemies get something to eat and I get something to eat because we all get what we need. Like, I don't need to have something that my enemies don't have. No, God's going to prepare a meal in the presence of my enemies, but we're going to all get something because that's just how this God operates. And then that last part of Psalm 23 that says, and the shepherd chases after you with goodness and mercy. That goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Can you imagine when you are in a season where you cannot find joy or you do not feel peace that says, no, you know what? You, you just stay where you are. I will come and find you. I will come and find you. I skipped over, though, verse 4. That says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff They comfort me. The the psalmist was saying all of these beautiful things about how God shows up, not having any needs, being taken care of, even in the midst of enemies. They all make a lot of sense now because we know what the psalmist is going through. The psalmist is telling us about um, his Lenten experience of being in the wilderness. I am right now in the middle of a valley of a shadow of death. And it is a place where I should be afraid and where I need God to come and to protect me. One scholar writes this, that verse 4 is the structural and theological center of Psalm 23. That, that it, is, it is the part of, of Psalm 23 that we, we really kind of understand Because this valley that the psalmist is talking about is one of the most popular and well-known valleys. It doesn't have a geographic location. Our dear former president, Barack Obama, doesn't talk about it in our great national parks on Netflix. (laughs) But it's a place we've all been before. So the scholar is basically just saying, like, in the same way that this passage of Scripture have, has a sense of intimacy and, and how we understand how God shows up for us, we have this sense of intimacy also, too, with valleys. We've all been in a valley. Whether you are a person who has always grown up in church or you're a person who might be new to church or even like um, kind of like Christianese, valley makes sense. If I say, I'm in a valley, no one thinks, oh, she's in a great place. (laughs) See? 
We all know, we be knowing the valley. When you're down in the dumps, valley. When in, in 14 hours, you are no longer in a place where you feel seen, valley. When you are in a low place, valley. When you can't get out of bed, valley. When the depression just seems to go on and on and on, valley. When a loved one passes away, valley. When a relationship ends or never got its wings, valley. The crushing feeling when you have to go to work because it's a job that you do not love, valley. In different ways, we have known what it is to journey in a valley that feels like it is filled with the shadow of debt. To move through the valley of the shadow of restlessness, to move through the shadow of, of, of fear. At some point, we've all been there before, and my guess is that there is someone in this space who is going through a valley right now. But in the crushing of the valley, the psalmist who describes God, the creator, as shepherd, says that they will not fear the valley or the things that come for the psalmist's life in the valley because of the goodness of God. Here's what I want us to hold on to as we're almost at the end of our Lenten journeys. If we don't think that we're in a valley, at least this Lenten season would invite us to be in a wilderness. And in this verse four, there is good news for each and every one of us as we take a journey. Here's the first thing, is that wherever there are valleys, there are also mountains. And this God who appears in the valley, who tabernacles with the psalmist in the valley, who comes with a rod and a staff to comfort us in the valley, is also going to be a God who can bring us to a high place. But here's the second thing that is good news for us as we take our journeys through the wilderness and as we also understand this psalmist in the valley, is that the key word is through. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the psalmist understands that God will move you from one place to another place. So the valley is a place to be traversed, to go through, to get through, to move from one place to another place, and most often because of God's goodness to a better place. With the exception of those who sometimes love their broken stories. It's a very small group. Most of us don't want to be in the valley forever. We want an expiration date for valley existence. And sometimes, though, life can bring you such trials and difficulties and hardships that you begin to wonder, though, is this where I'm going to have to be? Yeah. 
Is this going to be my home forever? I sometimes joke and say, am I going to have to fill out a change of address form for the valley? Or build a house in the valley? But the psalmist says, nope, this is not where you're going to be forever. The valley is a through place, not a we're going to stay here place. Not a stuck place. That God might be with you in the valley, but God's not going to leave you there in the valley. We're going through. Are you in the valley right now? Or do you know someone who is going through a valley? This God who is with us doesn't just simply come with presence, but also comes with power to protect us. Doesn't only come with presence, but also comes with power to remind us that God can move us from wilderness, from Egypt, to a place that is flowing with milk and honey. This God doesn't only come with presence, but God also comes with grace and with love to remind us that this is not the place that we will be forever. That God is on the move. That God will move with us. That God might move us through. We are so close to Easter. And sometimes the closer you get, the farther away you feel. This wilderness does not end in Lent. This wilderness will end with Easter. We are going through. Will you pray with me? God, we give you thanks and praise that you are a God who journeys with us and you never get tired. You provide for us as we journey from strength to strength, oh God. Or when we feel like we want our feet to move and they cannot move, you are a God who carries us. You go before us with a cloud or fire by night that we are reminded that we are provided for. For any of us in this space right now who might be going through a valley experience, God, I pray that you would whisper in our ears that we are going through. That wherever in our hearts or in our minds we begin to think, well, this is just it. This is where I'm going to be forever. that God, you would come and you would whisper through. And God, for those of us who may find ourselves on the highest of the mountains, but recognize that there are people around us who find themselves in desperate situations, 
where we recognize that our human capacity will fail to fix other people's problems or to move mountains or to shake systems. That we might be reminded that you are not a God of lip service, but you come with your rod and your staff and you will comfort those who are despairing and hurting and broken or who feel forgotten. That God, you show up and that there is no place that we are that you are not. That if we find ourselves even at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand will hold us and those we love in community. So God, would you remind us in the midst of our wilderness wandering and the low place in the pit, we're not gonna be here forever. But that you who follow us with goodness and mercy you are also a God who is good and merciful. So provide for us until we get to the other side, oh God. And when we do, might we declare your praise that you are good, shepherd. In you, we will lack for nothing. It's in your strong name, oh God, that we pray. Amen.